What's going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to the Locked On Eagles podcast, available on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Louis DiBiase, joining you here late night on Locked On, June 19th edition. You can follow me on Twitter, as always, on DiBiaseLOE. Good to be back with you after a two-day hiatus. If you miss any of our past shows, you can always find them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and wherever you listen to your podcast, we're up on there for you. And as always, LockedOnEagles.com, where we got some written content up there as well. I got, I got a cool announcement for you guys as well for the network. We're adding two new analysts onto the site and the network. Justin Grasso from Inside the Eagles is going to be joining us on podcasts throughout the week on Monday and Wednesdays. And Johnny Page from Bleeding Green Nation is also going to be coming in with his own specialty show doing film review each week, really focusing in on some players from the Eagles that could potentially break out in 2018. All that and more. So we got some some good new additions to the Lockdown Eagles network. So I'm very excited to announce that. And, uh, but today, it's going to be myself riding solo, as for Eagles Nation, but joining me over Skype right now, he is a reporter, a sports columnist as well for the Meadville Tribune outside of Pittsburgh, PA. It's Jordan Hanskin, a good friend of mine. Jordan, how we doing, sir? What's going on, my friend? It's good to, uh, we, we, we do podcasts together, but this is the first time we're doing it a little, a different venue. I know, it's cool, it's cool. Congrats on getting the new uh, Locked on Eagles going. Thank you, thank you. So what we're going to be talking about today here on the Locked on Eagles podcast, I saw it from the check down on Twitter that they were on, they were talking about the Steagles, which was the Eagles and the Pittsburgh Penguins, or not the, wow, the Pittsburgh Penguins, no, the Pittsburgh Steelers joining forces in 1943 during World War II because a lot of the players went to serve back in the day. So, you know, guys like Chuck Bednarik for the Eagles, who was a staple in the Eagles championship win in 1960, who was with the team for almost two decades, really. So guys like him were serving in World War II, so the Eagles and Steelers needed to combine teams in order to, you know, successfully have a complete roster, which and they were known as the Steagles. So I thought it'd be cool because they tweeted out, the checkdown tweeted out, you know, who's stopping the, the modern age Steagles, which would be, you know, Carson Wentz, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Zach Ertz. And I thought it'd be interesting to kind of combine, you know, see what mine and Jordan's teams would be. If you had to combine two teams and make the most talented roster in the NFL, what would be the two teams you combine? You know, and, and it's not just, you know, one roster with one player. It'd more be the you know, the well-balanced roster, what two teams make the most complete and dominant roster in the NFL? Because the check down throughout the Seagulls, and although that's a close one considering the Steelers and Eagles are two of the best teams in the NFL, we both, me and Jordan, came up with a couple different teams, but I did have the Eagles because, look, they're, they're, the Eagles are the most talented roster in the NFL right now. Obviously, they're coming off a Super Bowl win in 2017. Again, if you haven't listened to any of the podcasts yet, I'd make sure I've said that they're the Super Bowl champions in literally every episode, so there's your drop for the day. But I think the Eagles have the best roster in football right now. NFL.com also ranked them at that. They really didn't lose anyone this year. When you think about it, they pretty much just improved every asset of the roster that I guess was a weak spot. So I do have the Eagles in it. I'm not going to give away who my other team was. And then Jordan came up with two teams as well. But before we get into that, I have a kind of campaign that I'm, I'm going to keep going with here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. And it's the, the Carson Wentz visor campaign. And I know, Jordan, you're not a huge 
okay, you're not a huge, I don't want to say swag guy when it comes to equipment, but the look good, play good mentality that I live by is not something you cherish as much. Is that a, is that a good way to put it? I mean, when I, when I played football, I always, as a lineman, mind you, I played defensive end and guard. I would always have my long sleeve Under Armour and my gloves. I never, I, I thought I, I thought I looked good and played good. Right. Um, but I don't think it's it's necessarily a main factor. And some players honestly don't really look that great, all swagged out. I don't so, think that it's like it's not a universal thing for every player. Is that a subject you have at Carson Wentz? That makes, uh, Wentz, I think, is one of those players, like, he looks good in certain gear. Like, his helmet is pretty cool, from what I remember. Um, I think the, the, the long sleeve, the sleeves that he has, I like those. Um, I don't think, I don't think he necessarily looks that great in a visor. So you don't, you're not a, so you're not a fan of the Carson Wentz visor campaign. You're not getting on board with this. I don't think, I don't think he needs it to look good. I, I don't think he needs it, but I think to fully complete the franchise swag motto, he's got, <laughs> he's got to, he's got to put on the visor. And for those, I, look, I went back and I put up a poll on Twitter and the majority of Eagles fans do agree with me. Carson Wentz wore a visor one time, and it was a North Dakota game against South Dakota in 2016, which was his second year starting or his first year starting with North Dakota. And I'm a fan of it with the with the good style helmet he uses. You know, I really like the way the, the couple helmets he has used with Philly and with North Dakota. I just think you look at Cam Newton. I don't think there's ever been a player that wore a visor that that didn't look good, and he has the arm sleeve already, which is a key component to the look good play good mentality sleeves are huge I think what you're saying is that Wentz was the first to not look good in the visor no 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 no. (laughs) the sleeve is perfect and not the not the long sleeves on the jersey that's the Sam Bradford way and that look I I'm not gonna lie I think Sam Bradford's one of the most overrated quarterbacks of all time but yeah, I'm just going to be real. The other reason I really didn't like him in Philadelphia was because he wore his sleeves basically down to his feet. They were absolutely absurd how long they were to the point where you could tell Nike stopped designing the jerseys at a certain length of the sleeve because they didn't assume they they were they should have been safe to assume no one would have worn them that far down. And he didn't tuck them in. So this, the jersey sleeve is a problem. Those got to be short. But then underneath, it's got to be an arm sleeve. It could be the tight Under Armour, like you were talking about. But but Sam Bradford would wear the long sleeves, and then underneath it, it would be a like extra large, regular long sleeve shirt that was baggy. And it just he looked like a ten year old in an adult football uniform. And it's just it's not the way. In the cold weather cities, you got to respect the turtleneck Under Armour. I, that was maybe. a big part. Of, a big part of my game. It depends on the position. That's some people voted Jordan. That it depends on the position. With visors and arm sleeves, and uh, I, I, I see that. Why, so like, why wear visors? I think yeah. visor though for a quarterback. I think people, or at least players, don't wear the visor because they think it it hurts their ability to see. I mean, a clear I guess, one. I guess I've never played with stuff. one, so I don't know per se. Right. But Michael Vick, I remember back when he was with the Eagles. 
he talked about the benefits of wearing a visor because he actually even wore a tinted visor, and he said... Corners can't see his eyes. Yeah, it was difficult for a defense to read him, and with mobile quarterbacks especially, that's pretty difficult because you can't see when they're dropping their eyes and getting ready to take off. So I'm not sure exactly how hard it is to see with a visor on, but I'm just saying, man, it looks it looks awesome. And if you want to check it out, NM Sportsnet which is a sports branding and sports marketing company that actually wrote a really good piece you should check out on their website, nmsports.net. They did a piece about rebranding the Eagles to Kelly Green, and I really like that piece. A lot of you know Eagles media picked it up. So I had them put together a picture for me that put a visor on Carson Wentz from last year's game against the Rams. And you can, again, follow me on Twitter at DBASILOE or at NMSportsNet. And this was a real good Photoshop job. And let me just say, with his style of helmet, putting a clear visor on him completes it. I'm telling you, Carson Wentz is already, to me, the most talented quarterback or one of the most talented quarterbacks in football and that would cement him as the best looking quarterback in football i'm keeping this campaign going (laughs) so me being a bills guy i just want to let josh allen know he does not need a visor to earn my respect (laughs) all right that's fair it's 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 fair but i've got to keep his sleeves going and i love his helmet style though i'm sticking with it i just I'm all about the look good, play good mentality, and so so I think Carson Wentz is too. I think he is, and thank God he's the Eagles quarterback. So that is your first segment, the Carson Wentz visor campaign continuing. I th- it's a real cool picture. I, 55% of you on the poll agree with me. Some of you actually said that it depends on the position, but considering it's a quarterback, I think it's, I think it's right. I think it's right, Jordan. I, the, the only position I would say you can't wear a visor, or not even a visor, you can't wear like an arm sleeve, Probably, I would say, defensive tackles. What? An yeah. absolutely. Bronze, I know that's your position, but I don't know. Kind of I played defensive end, sir. You played three four <laughs> DN. That's basically a tackle. Three four? No, I played. I played linebacker. Essentially, I played. Okay, like, so you're an edge rusher. This is not a podcast about my high school playing days. Nonetheless, no interesting enough. This. <laughs> <laughs> no one needs to hear about this. No one cares. So. Coming up on the Lockdown Eagles podcast, me and Jordan are going to give our – we're going to combine two teams in the NFL that we think would be the most talented that would just be juggernauts in the league that would just be unstoppable. And it's in honor of the Pittsburgh Steagles, I guess. What would be the city name? The, I mean, it wouldn't be – Phil because it would just be Philadelphia if it's, you know, Pittsburgh first and Philly second. Pittadelphia, probably? Steagles? I don't know. But first – if your company is interested in men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Lockdown Eagles is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So, if you want to reach men 18 to 44, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are reasonable. You can email me at Podcast at gmail.com to find out more. All right, Jordan, let's get into it. This is a topic I think is fun. It's it's kind of a dead period in football right now. The only interesting thing we have is the NFL Top 100, and it's only interesting because it's a total sham, but I'm not going to get There's too into that. There's nothing interesting about it. <laughs> Jordan, just explain to me why Keith Byard should be rated higher than Odell Beckham. <laughs> okay, I've never heard of Keith Byard before in my life. He is the Tennessee uh, Titans safety. Oh, Odell Beckham Jr. is better because he's not on the Titans. 
Ex- explain to me how a mid-tier defensive tackle is higher than a mid-tier offensive guard. The the, oh, the list yeah. is an absolute <laughs> sham. It's well because bad. they uh, the defensive tackles obviously have better swim moves. Right, of course. And yeah, combined guards, footwork uh, and handwork, he's better. Are the least athletic of the <laughs> offensive linemen. So many kids. <laughs> So minicamp for the Eagles just wrapped up. Training camp starts in a few weeks once we get into it in July. So Eagles wrapped up OTAs in minicamp. So we're at a little bit of a dead period. So this is when I think we get creative with the show. And so I want to talk about this. I want to put together, because it is interesting. You know, Madden rankings are coming out soon. It's kind of the time where we really like to speculate, you know, who are the most talented rosters? Because everything's on paper right now, you know, free agency's over, the NFL draft is done, so we're kind of seeing that all the teams are starting completely over, and, you know, right now we haven't seen them perform, so all we can do is really look at the talent they have on paper right now. So it's a fun topic. We're going to combine two teams, Jordan, that we think would be probably the most talented in football, and let's start with the two teams you chose. Um, okay, so I had a tough time figuring out the exact roster I wanted to go with. A team that automatically came to mind as a talented group that's one of the closest to rivaling Philadelphia is Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. They, their quarterback play, obviously, is not comparable. But everywhere else on the Jaguars roster, it's hard to find a flaw. And so I started with them, and originally I wanted to make the Jag Triads. Right. Which would just be the Jaguars and insert Tom Brady at quarterback. And, let's <laughs> um, and I think that that team would be pretty formidable, uh, <laughs> considering the Jaguars nearly beat Tom Brady with Blake Bortles. I mean, yeah. The problem is, though, like, like again, the Patriots roster <laughs> is... Probably, they're weak. I mean, take away Tom Brady, that team is the Colts, maybe almost. They have, they have Bronk, yeah. They have maybe one or two impact players around right. the field. They have you have Gronk. Their defense, I think, is is weak. I, I who's the best defensive player on New England? Dante Hightower, maybe at this point. Yeah. Is it, is it Stephon Gilmore? I don't. I. I know a lot about Gilmore, and while I think he's a very good player and he's an above-average corner, he's not. I wouldn't consider him like an elite talent, considering the likes of Jalen Ramsey. So basically, yeah, the Patriots, although they have been the league's most dominant team for the past almost two decades, it's just we're like because we're combining rosters here. So for me. I went with Eagles and Vikings, and mine is well balanced across the board. I know Eagles fans probably don't like that because the Eagles and Vikings are kind of at a you know in a rift right now because of this the NFC Championship. This Eagles Vikings rivalry that just spurred it out of one game. Yeah, and but it's it's a big out of you know division rivalry now between. I mean, it is between two of the best teams in the NFL, so you know it, they probably will see each other again in, in the playoffs at some point. We'll see with the Vikings, you know. Yeah, I mean they downgraded a quarterback. Plug on their superstar quarterback. Well, the Case Keenum love from you, I just can't get over it. You just Case was a cucumber Keenum. No. (laughs) 
foot. He was not cool with a cucumber in that championship game. Look, the Vikings asked for all the flack they've been getting from Eagles fans this offseason when they threw 40 people up on the Rocky steps and acted as if they were taking over the city, put a Vikings jersey on Rocky, and then totally tried to drag the Eagles fan name through the mud as if it's already not just totally, you know, ch- you know chastised by the league. <laughs> it's... It's it's a fun rivalry though, but so I don't know. People are probably gonna get upset, but I think the Vikings. I've been a proponent, you know. For me, if I was a GM, I would put a roster together very similar to the Vikings because basically, you know, I'm a big NFL draft guy, and throughout the years, all the guys I've been high on, it seems like go to the Vikings. So I went with the Eagles and Vikings. You went with two AFC teams, so you had the Jaguars and a. Probably a surprise pick considering their record last year. But before their quarterback went down, this team was looking like a playoff contender. And I went with them for their offensive talent. And that is the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. That's a good, it, and it's not one people would probably throw out like, immediately, but when you look at it, they have some elite talent across the board. And Deshaun Watson... That few games that they got with Watson, their offense was prolific. They, I mean, to put it bluntly, how many offenses go into Seattle and just rain all over that defense? And that's exactly what Deshaun Watson did last year. They exposed the Seattle defense for what they are becoming. Essentially, they put the league on notice that Seattle's defense is vulnerable. So on offense, where who did you who did you put together here? Well, what what combination? Because the Jaguars, I mean, offensively, they're not extremely talented. They do have one of the more elite running backs in Leonard Fournette. How did you how did you construct this roster on offense if you were the GM? So probably the easiest decision that I made was that Deshaun Watson would start a quarterback over Bortles. Let's hope Blake Bortles' facts doesn't pick up this podcast. <laughs> Let's hope they do. I could go for a Twitter fight. That's true. Uh running back, yeah, Leonard Fournette edged out uh, Lamar Miller. Is Lamar Miller still there? Yeah, he is, and he <laughs> edged out, I think. <laughs> I did not watch much of the Texans last year, but I know I know they have some talent. Uh, let's, let's go to the wide receivers. Uh, I went, I thought this was an easy, it's going to be more Texans loaded on offense, right. in that I have Hopkins and Fuller, and then I, I like D.D. Westbrook, and this team would also probably run more spread rather than having a tight end on the field since the tight end play from both the Texans and the Jags is not not great. Right now I have uh, Kovac as the tight end. I think that he has, he's a younger guy. I think he has a bit of promise, Mm -hmm. but they would probably run more with Marquise Lee. And then on the offensive line, I have the Jaguars because in front of any good running back is a good old line. Yeah. They just signed Andrew Norwell too. Who's one of the better guards in the league. That's a, that's a, I mean, if you added Fournette to that Texans offense, man, that's that's pretty scary. Uh, let's go to the defensive side, which you know the AFC South, Jordan, is booming right now. Outside of the Colts, and I know you're not a big fan of the Tennessee Titans, but I think I they have exactly the reason for why they're so good. Why people think <laughs> why are people high on them? I think they're they're, they're, they're just the Bills with slightly better quarterback. No, they're Patriots South. That's what they are. You're, the, the Bills Patriots are the Panthers South. North. They're Patriots South. 
win is Marcus Mariota, Tom Brady. It's insulting. But the AFC South, which has been the joke of the league, basically, for its entire, the bane of its exist existence, is suddenly now a juggernaut. So, And you have two teams put together, and on defense, I think this is where it really gets scary, especially up front. It would be tough to score on this group, yeah. Uh, up front, the defensive ends, I have Nguaku right. and uh, Jadavion Clowney. And then in the interior, which is possibly even more scary, is Marcel Darius and J.J. Watt. That's just insane. And then you have Malik Jackson rotating through as well, and probably Kalias Campbell. Right. They have, they have depth. <laughs> yeah. Um, linebackers, I have Miles Jack and Telvin Smith. We're just going to run nickel here. And which the majority the of the league basically does at this point. I mean, the Eagles basically start a nickel defense... 75 to 80% of the time. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're playing the Patriots, how many how how much are you going to spend in your base defense? Well, right, cuz most teams go three receivers at this point. And even if they don't, if they're playing a tight end in the slot, most tight ends now are basically like bigger or physical receivers. So, I mean, do you really want a linebacker out in space unless it's a guy like Nigel Bradham or Jordan Hicks that you can trust to cover? It, or, or the guy like Miles Jack in Jacksonville, it's not easy for those guys to be out in space. Mm -hmm. And then in the secondary, to finish it off, I have Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bowie, Kareem Jackson, Terrain Matthew, and Tayshawn Gibson. Yeah, that's a good, okay, that's a good roster. I like that. And, and at head coach, I have Doug Murrow. Oh, God, well, that team just got real conservative real quick. <laughs> Well, we got Nathaniel Hackett as the OC. That's Don't worry. true. He coached you up with me first half in the AFC Championship game last year. <laughs> first half, and then they ran out of the script. Right, then they got they just literally <laughs> ran out of stuff. Off the script. <laughs> They're like, well, that's it. I got nothing else. <laughs> no one talked about that story as much. I thought that was fascinating that they ran out of their script and didn't know what to do anymore. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. He only had yeah. so many tricks in his sleep to mask how bad this Jaguars offense actually is. Oh, this, is a, this is a poor guy that's been stuck with conservative Doug Marone and his bologna sandwiches. He's been married <laughs> to him for his entire coaching career and has been tied to quarterbacks like EJ Manuel and Blake Bortles. <laughs> and Kyle Orton, Kyle Orton was the best one he's ever had. <laughs> I commend you for using two AFC teams because I went with two NFC juggernauts here and I, I think the NFC rules the NFL right now. It's it's Patriots and then it's I'm fighting off the the NFC. It's basically Thanos versus the Avengers. Jets, I think could go toe to toe with a lot of NFC teams. Yeah. It's just offensively, they still are so like restricted to really just the ground game. Yeah, they're sporadic. They let Allen Robinson walk, so the receiving core is not going to get better. I mean, I do like DJ Chark, but no, the Jaguars definitely could too. I mean, based on you know defense, they they could get it done. But I, I think the Eagles, the two teams in the in the NFC Championship game, are to me. If I had to pick two rosters to start with today. If I'm a GM and I just want to start from scratch and I get to take one roster, it's the Eagles mm -hmm. and Vikings. And the Eagles, at least, what they have going for them the Vikings don't is an established quarterback, an established, legitimate, playoff-caliber 
MVP like elite quarterback. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Don't defend Kirk Cousins here, <laughs> Mister Five Thousand Yards, Kirk Cousins. Mister chokes in every big game he's ever been a part of, absurd. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Five thousand yard seasons is Nick Foles. Absurd. <laughs> How many Super Bowl MVPs does Kirk Cousins have, sir? Not his fault. Not his fault. Okay, that's. <laughs> But so, either so, way, but but Wentz would Wentz would start for this team. Wentz is to me. I don't think there was a more talented. I don't think there was a quarterback playing better. Carson Wentz was the NFL MVP last year before he went down. It's just he he was at that level, and he's only six months into his rehab. But and that's so it's so impressive how good he looks right now. And I, I saw from NBC Philly, Ruben Frank tweet out, It's he wrote a story, it's almost as impressive as what he did in 2017, how far along he is for the type of injury he had to only be, you know, he basically still has three to five more months of rehab before he completely heals the ACL. And it looks like this guy's going to play week one. So if he is back to his normal strength and his mechanics look good, he's he looked really strong in minicamp. We had Nick Fierro on last week, and if you didn't see that, you can check it out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, LockdownEagles.com, and he says from you know up close and personal, Wentz, if you didn't know he was injured, you wouldn't really know. You know he, he looks that good. So Carson Wentz would be my quarterback, and one of the guys that got away, and a little little shameless plug for this week, we're gonna on one of the podcasts, we're gonna be talking about Eagles that were never Eagles, Eagles that got away, and Dalvin Cook is one of them for me. Jordan, you knew what a big fan I was of of Dalvin Eagles Cook. Got away. Yep, and Dalvin <laughs> Cook is to me the main one. The Eagles tried to trade up for him in the second round before not settling for Sidney Jones because I think he's going to be an elite corner. But you know, taking their next option because they they wanted to move up for Dalvin. And when Cook got hurt last year, he was third in the league in rushing. You know, he has the ability to do everything on the field and. He was, to me, a first-round talent in 2017. I'm not going to lie. I love Derek Barnett, and he is, he's already, in his rookie year, was part of two of the greatest plays in Eagles history. But I was sitting there at 12, ready ready for the Eagles to take Dalvin Cook. I was that high on him. And you were too, Jordan. I mean, you're you're from Wake Forest. Yeah. You went to Wake Forest, so in the ACC, you saw Dalvin Cook up close and personal. He, yeah, he took over the Wake Forest games. I think he had a 98-yard touchdown run, something yeah. ridiculous. Um. Yeah. No. He's a, he's an incredible talent at the running back position. Hopefully, the knee doesn't hinder him much because so, yeah. I think the league will be better if Delvin Cook is at his Agreed. at a hundred percent. My quarterback and running back are both nursing the same injury, but if they're together, that's a that's a scary combo right there with Cook in the backfield. And then at receiver, I really like what I have. I, I threw Alshon Jeffrey on the outside with Stephon Diggs, and then I battled back and forth between Adam Thielen and Nelson Aguilar in the slot. I think Thielen is the more established more receiver. production, yeah. Yeah, I think Nelson Aguilar is the better talent. And last year, again, Nelson Aguilar was one of the coolest stories the Eagles had. Pretty much he was dead in the water based on his career. His first two years, I've never seen a receiver have such a bad start that I didn't think there was any coming any way he came back from that. But And he did have the highest, you know, highest receptions on third down. He had the most third down conversions of any slot receiver. So this was close between Aguilar and Thielen, but Alshon, Diggs, and Thielen is a scary trio. And then I have Zacharitz at tight end. Obviously, you know, he's outside of Gronk. I already think he's the second best tight end of football. 
Offensive line, I had the Eagles, which isn't a shocker. I, on my last podcast, went toe-to-toe with Cowboy fans defending the Eagles' offensive line. I think they're the best in football. And they didn't, they're only going to get better because Big V goes back to the bench and you bring back Jason Peters. You know, knock on wood that at 36 he still has some of the athleticism. And, you know, even if he's at 80%, 80% of a Hall of Fame tackle, I'll take for one more year. So on offense, I don't know if you can get any better than that with any team around the league. Up up front on defense, Everson Griffin, Fletcher Cox, Linval Joseph, and Brandon Graham. Meanwhile, you rotate in Michael Bennett and uh, Derek Barnett. This... Defensively, too, these, this, statistically, these were two top five defenses last year. And I think the Vikings' defense gets more... I don't think it's a lot of credit for how elite it is because I don't think it has the flashy names. I don't think Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, even Harrison Smith, he is one of the best safeties in the league. And I don't... Jordan, like, I don't think most... I mean, I think now with PFF coming out and a lot of players, you know, getting in the spotlight more, but I don't think a lot of football fans really know Harrison Smith or how good he is. No, they don't. And if, frankly, unless you're a Vikings fan yeah. or why or you're an avid NFL or you you even or you're in the media, like we know who Harrison Smith is. Right. But I don't think the average fan. The average fan is always like, who's that 22 on the Vikings making those big yeah, defensive exactly. plays? And, you know, I have him at safety in the backfield with Malcolm Jenkins. And then <laughs> I love my secondary. I threw Xavier Rhodes on the outside. I have Sidney Jones on the outside. Instead of Darby. <laughs> instead of Darby, I think, Jordan, I think he's booming this year. I think Rona Jones... Rookie. His rookie, Ben Simmons rookie. Yep. A Ben Simmons rookie, I like that. And yeah. Jalen Mills, who is probably the Eagles' most established corner right now, he's in the slot. Ronald Darby, look, I, I and you're familiar with him at, growing up in Buffalo. You're a Bills fan, so you're very familiar with Ronald Darby. Yeah, I yes, like I him. He's only 24 years old. He's got talent. He's extremely explosive. He's got speed to keep up with anybody. But I just saw too many times, I mean, Eagles Eagles media a lot of the time likes to point to the deficiencies that Razul Douglas had last year in his rookie year as a way to justify you know keeping Darby around but there were too many times last year where Darby was a liability on defense I, I go back as early as the super as late as the Super Bowl where in the second half Rob Gronkowski almost had 200 receiving yards because they moved Gronk to the left side and Jim Schwartz doesn't switch his corners around, so Jalen Mills held him to like one or two catches in the first half, and then Darby got torn up. It's just when, you know, we saw it. Me and you were at the Bills-Panthers game, and we saw Kelvin Benjamin go up against Darby, and he just, you know, in a league where you have the likes of Alshon Jeffrey, and I don't think it's as big of a speed-centric league anymore, Jordan, on the outside, so I would rather have bigger, lengthier corners that, you know, most of them do still have speed. Sidney Jones has it all. Outside of Darby, you know, I just think he, he's been inconsistent throughout his entire career. So, I do think he could put it together, but I think there's a misconception in Philly about what he is just based on, you know, he was injured last year, so they didn't get a full sample size, and he does he does remind a lot of him of Asante Samuel. He's got a nose for interceptions, but, you know, combine his Buffalo days and his season last year in Philly, and I just I think you're kind of gonna get what you're gonna get with him. No, yeah, he has 
he has very glaring physical limitations. Right. To put, I mean, he's short, and yeah. it it does cause problems, especially if he plays in the slot. Considering that so a lot of teams now put tight ends out there, yeah. and they're physically imposing, and I think that no matter what, Darby's always he's learned to play with them, and he is a good corner. I mean, it's a nice problem to have that they have to decide between Sidney Jones and Ronald Darby. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're talking about what the Eagles should do, you should go with the cheaper option, which is Sidney Jones. Right, that's the problem here is, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm down on Darby because if you're telling me he's one of my starting corners, I'm fine with that, let's go. Especially with how talented the Eagles' defense is. But you have Jalen Mills, Razul Douglas, Sidney Jones, and Avante Maddox Hell, even Devonta Bosby, who is in serious comp- you know, competition right now for the slot corner job, and Malcolm Jenkins can do it as well. I just I see how overpaid a lot of corners are, and Eagles fans, you should know. Byron Maxwell, Namdi Asama, you know, we've been burned by it before in the past. Guys like Ronald Darby are going to get paid, even if, you know, free, in free agency, most players get overpaid, and Darby's going to be one of those guys last, next year. And look, if you want to pay Brandon Graham, you want to pay Jordan Hicks, you want to pay Jay Ajayi maybe and give Carson Wentz that contract extension? Are you really going to commit almost, you know, eight, nine million dollars a year to Ronald Darby? I just, I don't see it. I think he could have a really good 2018, but I think that's going to price him out of Philadelphia. So, and I think Jalen Mills is just, I think he had a better season last year. And although he doesn't pop when it comes to the athleticism Darby has or the speed, I just think he knows how to play corner on the outside in the NFL, just better, more efficient. I just like his aggression, and he's also, you know, what did you think about Darby's tackling in Buffalo? Because Jalen Mills is one of the best tackling corners already, and I think that's huge, because you got to set the edge a lot of the time when you're a corner, and, you know, outside zone is big right now in the NFL with rushing concepts, so you got to be able to tackle, and I feel like, again, we talked about Darby's size, that's a problem. Yeah, I think that Darby had a tendency to go to the ground, yeah. Before he before he tackles, so he's diving at legs, where he's trying to form tackle mm-hmm. while he's already on the ground essentially, and it's it's just it's just based on his size, like he's trying to get low. But it, I mean, players can carry him for a yard or two, or that they can break free. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think his tackling is a great asset to his game. I agree, but nonetheless, I digress. We're going to get more into the Eagles cornerback situation next week when we bring Ian Wharton on of Bleacher Report to preview the Eagles corner situation, talk about what's going to go on in the nickel spot. But for now, I think that's going to wrap it up for the Lockdown Eagles podcast here on June 19th. My name is Ludy Biasi, your new host of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you tune in tomorrow comment, rate, subscribe to our network on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. So I went with Eagles and Vikings as the two best rosters to combine a team with Mr. GM Jordan Hanscom with the Texans and the Jags, which I like. I think that was a surprise team in Houston, but that, that offense and defense is pretty scary. I would love to sign up for a Super Bowl between those two teams. So it's it's the, what, the Beagles, Jordan, and we got the What's your team name? The Warriors. The Tex Warriors? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Jordan, thanks for coming on the show, man. Hopefully we'll get you on soon. Yeah, no, thanks for having me.
So, for Jordan Hanskin, I am Lou DiBiase signing off. This has been the Lockdown Eagles podcast and the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's go, Birds. D-A-T-L-E-S.